0: Well, good evening, Austin.
1: Well, hey, man. What's up,
0: buddy? Welcome back to the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I am joined this week by my dear friend and cohort and partner in crime, Austin. Um, We are coming to you on a Friday night, uh, just not a normal night for us, which is awesome. Full disclosure, I don't want to commit to to DVRing a basketball game and then having to watch it later. So I have it on mute, but I have the Kentucky basketball game on. And, and we're playing Robert Morris. This should be an easy win. But if I randomly go, ah, then something cool happened. Uh, You know, episode 39. 39. We're almost in our 40s. Man. We are getting to 40. We're getting close. And um, this week, today, we're going to dive into Romans 9. We talked a little bit beforehand. And, and I, there's a pretty good chance we might split this up into two. Episodes. We'll see how it goes. Not sure. No, no guarantees one way or the other. But uh, uh, we're excited to get into Romans chapter nine. First, though, I like to start off with a little bit of an icebreaker. And uh, while I'm at work, especially when I'm at lunch, I will jump on and just kind of catch up on some news or read some articles here and there about different things going on in the country and in the world. And I found one that angered me today, and got my blood pressure going. And what is the one thing I've said about public schools the entire time we've been doing this podcast? They're awful. Get your kids, Get your kids out. out of public schools. So, headline. Vermont becomes the first state to give access to free condoms to middle schoolers. <sighs> I'm honestly not surprised. I mean, I'm not either. But M- middle school. Middle school. We're talking like 12-year-olds. 11 11 and 12-year-olds, get your kids out of public schools, if at all possible. Yeah. I mean, I understand not having the the financial means to go private or or maybe to homeschool, but gosh, dog, it figure something out.
1: Well, man, I'm at least hoping some of these parents are teaching them enough to where if their middle schooler comes home with condoms, they're like, you know to throw those away, right? They'd be like, oh, yeah, mom, dad, you raised me right.
0: Well, it... But, or I didn't mm, even take them. Look, I, I'm not naive enough to think that that's going to happen. No, honestly, neither. I mean, these kids are are basically being encouraged at the age of 11 and 12 years old to have sex. Yeah, they're encouraged to that. Well, the argument, of course, on this side is, well, we we can't stop them. They're going to be doing it anyway. May as well be doing it safely. While on one level, I, I maybe can understand that <laughs> argument. That's not acceptable. It's, like it, it's it's not. just not you. Uh, I, I don't know. It,
1: it's lazy and they gave up.
0: It's lazy and they gave up. And and can I tell you this won't shock you, but who who is providing these condoms to these kids? Satan. Well, <laughs> okay. Basically Planned Parenthood. Yep. I, same thing.
1: Thank <laughs> Almost. you. Almost.
0: Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I would have so, said it anyway. <laughs> um I just I don't know. I I don't know why I bring that up, other than it raised my blood pressure, and I felt like it'd be nice to share it with everyone else to raise their blood pressure as well, so we can all experience high levels. Yeah, of I stress totally together. want
1: to go into Romans chapter nine like this, definitely. With with thank you, red
0: faced and yeah, angry. Yeah on, <laughs> on on a on a happier note. You
1: know what? Just quote it.
0: Um, Johnson and Johnson is breaking up into two companies.
1: Of course they are.
0: I, I don't know why it's a happier note, but that's the next headline. Why is that? that's, so, probably, that's probably a very bad thing. It might be. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think my point behind that is to say, pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what's happening in the schools your kids are. in. if you can't get your kids out of public schools for whatever reason, and I'm not condemning you for that, and, and neither is Austin. Like, that's not what we're doing. If for some reason, pay, I mean, be as vigilant as you mm-hmm. can be. Be at school board meetings. Read over your home, the your kid's homework, the assignments they're bringing home. Have conversations with them. Have tough conversations with them about what they're being taught, what's being said by these teachers yeah. that, for whatever reason, have gone absolutely insane. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand where, I just don't get it. And maybe it's because of the, the, Brainwashing of the of our generation, maybe I don't know, but I don't I feel like our generation is. It's pretty bad. It's <coughs> pretty okay. It's bad. Yeah, oh, it's
1: been bad for years. It's just it now is. it's it's more televised and more broad because it's more acceptable.
0: Well, I do say I do think Virginia was a, a, a at least a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, or not the end of the tunnel, but a little bit of a light in that the reason why a Republican won in Virginia won the governorship of Virginia a state that Biden won by like 20 points yeah. allegedly um it went it went red because of the school issue of the education issue because of Loudon County and their the way they're handling critical race theory the way they're handling transgender issues the way they're covering up sex abuse they you know they had the kid that sexually assaulted a girl they instead they instead of punishing him in any way they just switched him to a different school right. which he allegedly did it again At that school. So, and they did cover up. They have emails showing that this is a total cover up Hmm. by the school board. So the parents came out and said, this is horrendous. And they voted the other way. So I'm hoping that Virginia is a little bit of a precursor to what's to come in the next couple of years. Who knows? Um, But just pay attention to what your kids are getting taught and what's happening there. I mean, a, a, a bowl of condoms in the nurse's office for your seventh grader is not okay. It's just not. It's not okay for a 12th grader, but it's especially not okay for someone who, I mean, maybe is just starting puberty. Like, it's not, this yeah. is not okay. So,
1: I'm gonna throw this one out there. <laughs> we might have an episode at some later point in time of saying, is it okay for Christians at all? No. Ooh,
0: yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and, and just guess. That is the father of thirty-seven children. By the time you're twenty-six, I'm (laughs) twenty-seven. I think I. Oh, you're twenty-seven. When was your birthday? October fifth. Did I say happy birthday to you? I think so. Okay. That'd be a terrible friend if I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right. Well, enough of that nonsense. Um, Score update: Kentucky's up by eight. Not that anyone cares.
1: I'm purposely not watching. I know, I'm not watching. I'm, I'm looking
0: at you. I'm not watching. Like, we're good. We're good. Yeah. It's a
1: good thing you're not sitting here. <laughs> That's the reason why I put myself right here. It's good. It's
0: good. All right. So, Romans chapter 9. Uh, we are going to, we're going to read We're going to do what we've been doing. We're going to read it. We're going to start going verse by verse. Um, obviously, we kind of alluded last week, this is a, a chapter that can cause some controversy within Christian circles. And, and so, want to stay at the outset here. We want to be as faithful to Scripture as we can. I have done some reading this week of people who interpret it differently than I do, and I see where they're coming from. Um, I may not agree with it, but I see where they're coming from, and I I can see where it's a valid thing. So let's just start by saying some of the topics we're going to talk about today, and maybe next week, depending on how this goes, are not salvation issues, all right? They're not issues that are going to lead you down this path of losing your salvation or of not being saved or whatever. The goal is still the same, when people to Christ become more Christ-like and understand Scripture. I'm writing a paper, actually finished writing a paper today uh, for my classes that talks about how reasoning and logical thinking is an act of worship. And it talks about broadening your, you know, expanding your mind, transforming your mind, and renewing your mind all throughout Scripture. We see that. We see God being the God of order, which then means He's a God of logic. So we are to expand our minds to Scripture and to the knowledge of God. And that's what we're trying to do here. And... I think there are way different ways that are somewhat valid that we can interpret this. Yep. So
1: Well, and definitely as we're going through it, if you lean the other way, don't listen and or stop listening and get angry with us. Cause I, I think that's a, a kind of a dangerous point to be in for definitely either side. Um, as Christians we need to be able to come at this again logically and but lovingly as well to be able to look at both viewpoints and have that discussion on both sides, but at the end of it be like, I mean, if that's the way you lean, then cool. If I lean this way, it's not really a big deal. It's not. We have our disagreements. As long as we're not disagreeing that Jesus is the Son of God, then
0: I I really think we're fine. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, let's get started. We're going to start by reading Romans 9. I'm going to read the first part. Austin will jump in and finish this thing off. who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all who are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year I will return, and Sarah will have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born, had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told the older were the older will serve the younger, as it is written, "Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated." What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means, for he says to Moses, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy." And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy.
1: For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter have no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order... To make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, chapter 2, verse 23, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10, and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it,
0: Very cool, very dense. I mean, a very (laughs) dense passage. Um, You know, we see in, I think in Romans 9, a a little bit of a shift in style that Paul is writing with here, And, and he's looking at more of a, well, first of all, he starts talking to the Jews, specifically, in this chapter. He's talking to Jews who do not accept Christ, or who deny Christ, or who are even just skeptical of Jesus being the Messiah, being the one that was prophesied about in Isaiah, and and he is almost rebuking them in a way in some of these passages, especially when we get down and we'll get back and back to it, but we get down to the part where he's talking about, you know, who are you to answer back to God? So I think it's important to keep in mind who he's talking to. I think he's talking to non-believing Jews, yeah, Jews who are following the law, Jews who know the law. Maybe your Pharisees, your religious leaders. So just keep that in mind as we get kind of get rolling here in in verse one.
1: Well, it's always interesting to me whenever Paul starts out with something like this. I am speaking the truth in Christ, Christo, as in the anointed one, the Messiah. I am not lying. So right off the bat, again, he's writing to the the people in Rome, uh, to the church at Rome, and to, again, either to the Jews that are not believers in Jesus or um, just those who are following the law. He's saying, "I am speaking the truth in the Messiah. I am not lying, and my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit." Right. So the Holy Spirit is speaking through me,
0: and, and the only way to trust your conscience and to trust what you're what you're thinking and what was being said is if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it I mean, it's important to understand that you're still imperfect. Yeah. Your mind is still imperfect. Your spirit is still imperfect. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to have these issues. So everything that Paul says here. He wants people to go back into scripture and and verify. That's why all through Romans nine, Paul quotes Old Testament passages. Yes, because he wants to appeal to the scripture that they had at the time, which was the Old Testament.
1: And more than likely, they know these. They probably know these by heart.
0: Right. So he's
1: and he uses them methodically and precisely in the order that he wants them to. It's not he's not just throwing them out. Paul is smart. Yeah. Again. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if we believe what we believe, that this is the word of God, that it is the breathed out word of God, that God spoke through Paul. And if it's in scripture, then it's scripture.
0: Because God preserves his word. Exactly.
1: So, looking at it through that lens, we'll continue. That I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed, or accursed, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. And I love it, he's, he's appealing to the Jews. He, he lists these things off. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Messiah. Who is God over all, blessed forever, amen.
0: So he's, he's a couple things. One, the first part, verse 3, he talks about, you know, he wishes to be cut off from Christ so that they might know Christ, essentially is what he's saying. And, yep. and, and I think he's being a little hyperbolic here. I don't necessarily think he would actually want to would actually want to be put, basically, yeah. In condemned to hell, right. which is what he's saying here. He is showing them how much he loves them and how much he cares about them, because he was one of them. I mean, you obviously, you remember... Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And what was he doing? He was killing Christians on behalf of non-believing Jews. Yep. So he was one of them. He has a passion for these people. You know, it's it's like someone who grows up in the mountains of Kentucky and they leave and they live in Louisville or they live in Lexington or Frankfurt or one of the bigger cities, but they still have love and they still have a passion for the people of the mountains. For and their for their people. Yeah. And and I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's like I have left this group of people. I want you to come with me. I still love you. And and here's you know, and here's why I love you. I mean, you guys, first of all, you're my family. But secondly, like everything was you were the chosen people. You yeah. were God's chosen people. And every and even the Messiah came from your line. Well, and and it's not even he's saying you were the
1: chosen. It's they are Israelites. They are still Israelites even to this day. And to them belong the adoption. it's the adoption is is there, it's
0: yours. God has adopted you, and then he leads on in the right. next verses. but yeah, so verse six, but it is not as though the Word of God has failed for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all who are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named this and and so I I think Paul understood that he was being a little unclear. Maybe, or or that people w- wouldn't understand what he was saying. Not that he was being unclear, but that he wouldn't people wouldn't understand exactly what he meant by this. And so he immediately, verse eight. This means <laughs> that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counted as offspring. And so I think what Paul's doing here is he is starting to set the stage for the inclusion of the Gentiles. He's starting to set the stage for this almost breaking down of the arrogance of the Jewish people of the the non-believing Jewish people, because they, of course, had that whole, we're God's chosen, we're, it, it's us for and no more, we're elite, right? right. And, and I think he's starting to set the stage of breaking that down, saying, well, yes, you are God's chosen people, but others are coming into the fold, right? God is yep. now opening up salvation, <laughs> opening up the work that he did on the cross to Others and to non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, and so he set the stage for that.
1: Well, yeah. Looking back at Abraham, and the question is, oh, well, why did he choose Abraham? Why did he choose Abraham to start the the line of the Israelites? Um, Well, the answer is because he wanted to. It's not because of anything that Abraham did. It's just because God decided He wanted Abraham. And there's absolutely no answer that you can give to why it was Abraham. And then going from Abraham, looking at Okay, he was married to Sarah. He, he had a child with Hagar that started a whole n- multiple nations. Again, yeah. Ishmael. Ishmael, uh, God promised Abraham that he would be he was his descendants would number the stars. And that was that was on both sides. That's not just the side with Isaac and Jacob and so on and so forth, but also Ishmael. It wasn't just through Isaac that his descendants numbered the stars. It's also through Ishmael. Right. But then God chose Isaac instead of Ishmael. So through Isaac, then comes Jacob and Esau. And who does God choose? He chooses Jacob, which as we continue to read, we'll see it. Looking back at Genesis chapter 26, God promises to Isaac. It says, I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and will give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So he promises to Isaac the same thing that he promised to his dad. And it was, I am going to multiply your descendants. And he does it the same way through Esau as he does through Jacob. But again, looking back at what Paul says, But it is not though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So it's that thought, again, as we get deeper. Just because God chose Isaac, does that mean all of Ishmael's descendants are damned for all eternity? Just because God chose Jacob, does that mean Esau's descendants are damned for all eternity?
0: Right. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll just keep
1: going and we'll so, we'll pick it apart piece by piece. Yeah, it
0: is a. I think, and again, we'll talk about this here in a second, but it is a broader, I think, a broader statement than just the individual person. I think it does mean the individual person, but I also think there is an argument to be had that it, it is talking about the nations, the nations, and and Ishmael and his descendants. And Esau and the Mo, uh, Edomites, Edomites, sorry, Edomites and, and those descendants. Because again, like you said, between those four people, that is an infinite amount of descendants. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's it's innumerable at this point. So it doesn't mean that if you are a descendant of Ishmael or a descendant of, of Esau that you are condemned to hell forever. That's not what it means. I think there are people who would claim that that's what that means. And I just don't see that I don't
1: see it yeah well nowhere nowhere in scripture does it say that especially in the Old Testament that well God chose them and so the rest were damned for all eternity
0: well I, I mean all, all throughout scripture you have Gentiles non-jews non-chosen yeah. people making an impact yep so so
1: continuing uh, verse 8 okay. this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God but the children of the promise. Are counted as offspring, so that's a big one. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going though. For this is what the promise said, and this is Genesis chapter eighteen, verse ten and fourteen. About this time next year, I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, or for father Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election. Might continue, not because of the works, but because of him who calls. So, right there, though they were not yet born, had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Again, referencing to Genesis 18, 10, and 14. And you, you know what? Let's keep going. We'll go through 13. She was told, The older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated that was taken out of Malachi chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. So, Paul is referencing scripture from before Jacob and Esau were even born to about 1500 years 1500 years, years yeah. after they were dead, yeah. Yeah. And um again, there's that side of it they're looking at Jacob and Esau as oh, well they're not talking about actually Jacob and Esau. They're talking about their descendants. And it's like yeah, I can I can see that. But for me it would make sense for him to say Israel and Edom instead of Jacob and Esau. Right. Because he's talking about Jacob and Esau. In Genesis, he's talking about Jacob and Esau before they were born. And right here, he's talking about them. Um, Now, looking at, but Esau I hated. So, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to Malachi, if you go back, whenever the Hebrew word for hated is translated, it is not less loved. It is truly unloved. Like, at that time, when he says, Esau, I hated, it means he was unloved. And, but it was hated, as in past tense. It's not, I hate Esau. It is, I hated Esau. And so, a- as I'm reading through this, the New Testament in Greek, whenever the Greek word hated is translated, it is less loved. So, when Jesus says, if you do not hate your mother and father, or your your siblings, your significant other, whatever then you cannot follow me. In Greek, it is, if you do not love them less and love me right. more, then you cannot follow me to the fullest. But in Hebrew, it is unloved, as in no love at all, which is crazy to think that God could do that. But again, he's God. Right. And we can't fully understand this stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. And, and this is, I would argue, probably one of the more contested passages of scripture. Yeah. Within the Christian circle, okay? It it, You have one side that will say that this shows that God chose who will be saved, who will not be saved from the foundation of the earth. God chose it. Others say God didn't choose this, he knew it beforehand. Like, he has that helicopter view of time, and he ultimately knows who is going to be saved and not be saved. And, and it's, I understand where both sides come from. I think most people that listen to us regularly know where I where I lean. They they know kind of where I end up falling on this side of the argument. Yeah. Um I do fall on the more on the side that's more aligned with election and that God before the foundation of the earth chose those who will be saved, those who will not be saved. I, I use the verses that we're about to read to support that because I don't know how else to reconcile this chapter with with, with salvation. Yeah. And specifically verse 16, which we'll get to here in a minute. But I also understand that that's that's really hard to wrap, wrap our minds around. Yeah, And that becomes a very contentious issue because it almost sounds like, well, God's unjust. God, that's not fair. It's not fair that he won't allow certain people into heaven, and he chose that before they were born, and that he decided from the beginning, from the foundations of this earth, that Joe Blow isn't going to be saved, but Jane Doe is. Like, it, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. I understand that. And for the longest time, that was my emotions behind it, too, because I was thinking emotionally with this topic. It's hard. I'm also not even saying I'm 100% convinced I'm right. (laughs) Okay? So I don't want you to hear me saying that I am dogmatic about this. I'm open to discussion. I'm open to people presenting scripture. But ultimately, and Austin, you said this best, we may not ever understand. Maybe we're not supposed to.
1: And that's me. It's the way I put it is, I don't know. I, I really don't. I read scripture and I, I have an idea. But again, every time I go through this, I'm like, all right, Lord, <laughs> I have my human understanding, which I know is just garbage. All right. For, forgive me and give me your understanding. Because as Paul would say in Corinthians, you know, what gives us understanding of scripture is the Holy Spirit. And knowing that this is such a divisive topic that you have people on that side, on the other side that are so, they are so convinced that that is the right answer. I'm like, for me, that's proof that shows we can't understand. That there are so many other things through scripture that we can, both sides, we can come together and say, oh yeah, of course that says that. But this topic, we're so divided. For me, that's proof saying we don't actually know. And that is okay. Right. Again, this, I don't think it's a salvation issue. I mean, if if you think you can lose your salvation, that's between you and God, that's that's not me. I I believe that I'm secure in my faith. I believe that um that I've been chosen, that God has foreordained and predestined
0: me. But that's me. I I can't I can't speak for anybody else. And and let, let, let's well, go off let's go off on this tangent for just a second because yeah. I think it's important that we also emphasize the fact that this is not a arrogant thing. This is not I commit this with as much humility as I can. And I fully recognize that whether I'm chosen or whether I chose him, I am not worthy of his grace. Doesn't matter if I chose him or he chose me, I'm not worthy. And and the fact that I am able to have this relationship with him is astounding. And I want others to experience that as well. I don't know. Let's just say, Let's play both sides here for just a second. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm going, we're going on a, a little tangent, but that's okay. That's why we said this might be break, <laughs> broken yeah. up into two. So let's take the you choose God, he doesn't choose you angle, and let's apply it to evangelism. Yeah. If you understand that you don't deserve the grace that you've received, and you understand that Jesus is the only way to experience life in its fullest, and the only way to get to heaven and to bypass eternity, we need to be so passionate about evangelism, and so passionate about bringing others to Christ, because they need to experience the love that we have felt and the grace that we've experienced. Yes. Flip it to the other side. If you believe that you are chosen, and that God before the foundations of the earth chose who and who is and who isn't going to be saved, you aren't God. You don't know who those people are. You need to be passionate about evangelism and sharing the gospel. Yes. Because of course the tendency, of of course the tendency is going to be to say. Well, if, he, if it's already preordained and predestined, there's no need for me to evangelize. That is going to be the natural human mindset of it. I would like to challenge you by saying a couple things. One, that is not scriptural at all. No. What is the Great Commission? God commanded us to do that. God commanded us to make disciples. Yep. He commanded us to preach the gospel, to have a defense, 1 Peter 3.15, the whole reason why we're doing this, this podcast, is to have a defense and to be ready to to talk about the gospel in a way that is understandable and logical and makes sense and helps others see the gospel. Yes. That's what we're called to do. So if you land on that one, on that side of, of I'm chosen, don't get arrogant with it. Yes. That is, that is the opposite of what should happen. It should humble you that you were chosen because you don't deserve it. You don't. If you don't think you're chosen, you think you chose him. It should humble you that you have the ability to do so because you don't deserve it. So what do we do? Both sides. I don't care who you are. Both sides. Same goal. Win others to Christ. Yep. Period. That that right there ends the debate, I think.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. It,
0: on some level. Well, it's,
1: and it, it yeah. ends the debate of what is more important, or which side is more true. And it ends the debate of, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What has Christ, what has God told you to do? Go spread the word. Go teach people of my son the Great Commission. Yeah. That's what all of us are supposed to do. So, for, for me... Again, looking at that of, okay, do you choose God or does God choose you? Following that logic, okay, if we chose God, does that mean it is work-based, right? So uh, if I have chosen God, God has not chosen me. I, it's something I have done. Going on the other side of, if God has chosen me, it has been, I have done nothing. There's absolutely nothing I've I've done to earn it, to accept it. It's God has chosen me. God has predestined me. Now again, our, our earthly minds looking at it as from the foundations of the earth, God looked ahead and was like, you know what, uh, I'm going to choose him. Yes, yes. Uh, no, I don't want him. No, 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 I don't want him either. I don't see that. Again, our feeble minds can't comprehend that. I There is, I guarantee you, the rest of my life, even if I get deeper in scripture and more knowledgeable and w- wiser, I will still not understand this. And I, one of the The things I like, John MacArthur, when he says it is, this is one of my most studied topics for the past 50 years I've been in ministry, and I still don't understand. Right. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah. That's it, because we can't. And we we have our inclinations, again, both sides, but we always have to come back to, okay, what does Scripture say to what we're supposed to do? And he has commissioned us and commanded us to go out into the world preaching the gospel. Right. And that's what we have to do. Yeah.
0: And and couple that with the question, well, then why talk about it? Why study it? Well, it's in Scripture. Yeah. These passages are here for a reason. And we, and again, I, I've been writing about this this week and, and doing some studying for school this week on this. We are to wrestle with the meat of the Scriptures. We are to wrestle with these ideas that are tough and these ideas that are hard to understand that we won't ever fully understand this side of heaven, at least, we are still to do that. We are to renew our minds. We are to challenge ourselves theologically, challenge our beliefs, be firm in that. You, you look at the, the principle of debating, okay? when you're If you're in debate club at school, which I never was, I don't even think we had one at my school, but... Ethos, pathos, and logos? I believe it. Oh. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's that's true I debate. I mean, true debate, okay. Yeah, never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, I blew my mind there for a second. Um, but you look at this idea of debating, you want to know both sides of the argument. Yes. You, want you, to have be, to. you have to. You want to be as well-versed in the opposing view as you are on your view. I was listening to a radio show this week, and he, uh, the, the, the radio host, he, he, he's a former lawyer, and he's now teaching at a college level a law class, one class this semester teaching um, about sports law. And he had his, his uh, students, uh, I think he gave his students like a situation, a, 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 a legal issue, and a scenario that they made up, and he said, okay, you are going to argue this case, but you don't know what side you're arguing until five minutes before you argue it. Huh. So these the, these students had to spend however long, a week or two weeks, preparing to be the prosecutor.
1: Or the defense. Or the defense. Interesting.
0: And you don't know which one you are until you get there, and five minutes before you present. And I think that is a, a decent little analogy to what we need to do with scripture. Yeah, We need to wrestle with these... Lofty and haughty topics, while keeping unity within the church and keeping mm-hmm. unity within our our family of believers, but also just saying, "Hey, let's discuss this. Let's argue this out, and just see where it goes." Yeah. I, I think of these old time theologians sitting in a dark room with cigars and bourbon, just <laughs> discussing these topics and just wanting to be a fly on the wall in a place like that. Oh man, you know your C.S. Lewis's, your Tolkien's, your you know your Thomas Aquinas, like oh, if you go back farther, just to. Just to soak up the wisdom that these people have. John Calvin versus uh, Arminius. What's his? Arminius? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah.
0: So just, I say all that because I just, I'm so passionate about, A, digging into Scripture and and renewing our minds and growing our minds, but also I'm passionate about keeping unity within our fellow believers. Yeah. And how, I'm so careful with this topic of how divisive it is.
1: Well, again, with fellow believers, this is not an argument.
0: It should Shouldn't not be, an, be argument. an argument. And I use the term it's, argument in a way of a debate. Text right, exactly. That is not so much a, I'm angry with you, let's right. fight this out.
1: <laughs> and that's a, it's a discussion. Yeah. It's a discussion that, again, looking at what Paul says, if you have been a believer for a long time and you're still sitting on the milk, as in, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, and that which is awesome, you cannot be a full-grown adult living on breast milk. One that's just weird.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> Little Grapes of Wrath-esque. Uh, I'm just
1: not going there. Do you remember that? Anyway, yeah. I remember okay, that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. You you have to eat steak. You have to eat potatoes. You have to eat full-grown meals. And that's that's what this is. And that's what Paul's talking about. To be able to dive into topics like this. Knowing full well that you're not going to understand it. But there is something to say about Grappling with it, right? And it's like, okay, you're in the weight room, you're you're building, right? That's the whole point, or mm-hmm. a, a lot of um, things that we lead to through scripture. It's you know like weightlifting. As you lift weights, you get stronger. You have to tear down muscle in order to build it up. <laughs> with stuff like this, it's like going to that boulder deadlift over in Scotland, where you go to the 1,000 pound boulder, and you're like, uh, yeah, I want I want to try, want right. to try it. I'm <laughs> I'm a 27 year old man. I'll do it. I'll go over there and try it. Hopefully I won't get myself a hernia. <laughs> but I'm I wanna I wanna try it. And that, maybe that's just a guy thing, but to go and try to grapple with it. Look at it and say, how can I lift that? But meanwhile, knowing that's a thousand pounds. I'm not gonna lift that right. thing.
0: Um, I'm not the mountain. But anyway. So what I took from that <laughs> is that vegetarians are living in sin because they need oh, steak and potato Oh wait, no. Wow. That wasn't your point, was it? It wasn't at all. No, no I'm totally <laughs> I'm not <kidding>. going there. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> not going kidding. Vegetarian, spiritual, get your, get your life in things. order. Things. No. <laughs> Dang vegans. Darn it. No, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, um, no, just kidding. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. I, I think, I, I just want to make sure, if you've gotten this far with us in this episode, we haven't turned us off yet. Yeah. Understand we are coming at this not combatively, mm. not divisively. We're coming at this as like, this is... Kind of where we land. This is what we read out of this. I'm, I got an article pulled up here that I've read a couple times this week that shows the opposite point of view that I take. And I understand where they're coming from and I get it. And I think it's somewhat valid. <laughs> <laughs> but whoever wrote this, I love them and I want them to love me and I want them yeah. to have this. We, I want us to be able to talk about it, but also then go win people to Christ and go share Christ with others yeah. and well, go do ministry and be the church
1: in that. I have several people I, <clears throat> I want to have over and have this discussion. And it's a discussion. I want to be able to talk about it, but at the end be like, Hey, you want a beer? Or Hey, you want to go get some food? Yeah. And still be 100% we're, we're good. Yeah. Why? Because we're still brothers in Christ, no matter what.
0: It, it, and this will be the last thing I say about this. We'll move on. But it, it <laughs> just another little analogy. It just reminds me of people who you disagree with politically on some issues. Let's just point this out on on issues of like tax code and stuff like that. Things that we can compromise on and things that we can actually have rational discussions about. Yeah, I, you disagree with me. That's okay. We're still friends. Yeah. You don't agree with me on this. That's okay. We still we still want what's best for this country. Yep. And and Maybe. that's what this is. This is I disagree with you. You disagree with me on this issue. But we still want what's best for the church. We still want what's best for the kingdom of God. Let's put this on the back burner. Go back and win people to Christ, yeah. and go back and do ministry and be the church. Yeah. So
1: well, uh, and and if again looking at just the letters from Paul, again spoken from God through Paul, let there be no division among you. And if this is a divisive topic for you. There, there might be sin in your heart. I, I know for me, growing up and ju- just, I don't know, five or six years ago, going through this topic, to have this conversation and have someone on the other side, I'd get frustrated. Oh yeah. And for me, it was more so, uh, I don't think I knew enough, so therefore I couldn't actually convey what I was thinking or what I was believing. So I would be getting frustrated, and I'd have, have to take a step back. Um, I've, I've grown a lot since then. I'm and. I'm able to come at it and be like, all right, this cannot divide us. We need to be able to talk about this and at the end of it, still be brothers in Christ, still be sisters in
0: Christ. And it's very important that we do that. Because I don't think on the surface, either side is heretical. On the surface. I, I do think they're on Well, because both... there's
1: scripture leading to both.
0: Exactly. But I do think on both sides, on both sides, on the, on, on the election side and on the non-election side, I do think there are aspects that can be taken and turned heretical. Legitimately, I think there are there are things on both sides, arguments on both sides, points on both sides that can be taken, twisted, turned heretical. Yes. So De- yeah, definitely. If you would label yourself as a five-point Calvinist, I don't think on the surface you're heretical. If you would label yourself as a staunch Arminianist, I don't think on the surface you're heretical. I think you can take some of those points, twist them and make them heretical. Yes. I think that's when you get into some danger. Just like again politically, right and left, extreme right just as crazy as extreme left, right? And just as wrong as the other one even though they're opposing views. So I I just think we have to again remember that we're still the body of Christ. We're still the body of Christ. Yep. We are still exactly the bride
1: it. and we're still brothers and sisters and we have to we have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we I think we left off on verse
1: 14. Uh and Benisa. I yeah. want yeah, I want I want to go back to Jake Benissa. Oh yeah, okay. Let's go. Verse 12. She was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. So real quick, I want to jump, jump back to Genesis chapter 27. This is where Isaac is blessing Jacob, and then Isaac blesses Esau with whatever's left, whatever's left of any blessing. So his blessing of Jacob says, May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Alright, so that's Jacob's blessing. This is Esau's blessing. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. So, looking at why did God love Jacob, and why did God hate Esau? Again, I'm reading this as he's talking about Jacob, he's talking about Esau. There might be a contingent for Israel, the descendants of Jacob, and Edom, the descendants of Esau. But, again, I hated Esau, past tense. It's not, I still hate him, as in, I still hate Edom. What did Esau do? He sold his birthright for for soup. For a bowl of soup, he sold his birthright. And I don't think God quite liked that very much. (laughs) From what, going back and reading the story of Jacob and Esau, there wasn't really a whole lot that Esau did besides selling his birthright and then wanting to kill Jacob, which he he hated Jacob in his heart. He wanted to kill him and said, I will kill my brother. That's why their mother went to Jacob and said, you need to go. You need to run. Um, but of course, looking at, it was like 20 years later, when Jacob goes back to Esau, the reaction that Esau had to his brother, he ran to him, he embraced him, and he wept. They both wept. He missed his brother. And for me, that's a telltale sign that he forgave him. At some point within the past 20 years either even if it was the day beforehand Esau forgave his brother. So again reading this as a whole that Paul was very meticulous in what he was in what scripture he was using that he's not just talking about the descendants. He's talking about Jacob and Esau and there was forgiveness in Esau towards his brother Jacob. So I I do not see that, you know, Esau and his descendants were eternally damned. Right. All the way up until Jesus. So, even with the Gentiles, um, I don't see anything that supports that. So, anyway, going on, verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So, then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Yeah. Dude, this this is immense. Like it is and when we say dense, it's not like, dude, you're dense, man. It's
0: (laughs) this is heavy. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. It is the clearest one of the clearest parts of scripture that talks or that that says that we can't do anything to earn our salvation. One of the clearest parts. I mean, you have you have, you know, it's by grace, not through works, listening to mention boast. You have all these other verses that say it, but this is saying it is not on human will or exertion. There is nothing that we can do to earn this, and nothing we can do to, to to get it, to gain it. To attain it. Yeah. So again, it just, the way I read it, the way I see it, there's no way we can choose to earn our salvation. We can choose salvation. There's no <laughs> way we can do it. Because here, it's not by human will or exertion. Yeah. I will God, have mercy
1: on whom I have mercy. Exactly. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now,
0: flip that around, the other side of the argument. I'm going to actually read a little bit from this, because I do want to be fair and, and want to point some of this out. So Paul cites Exodus to show that God is free to give grace however he sees fit. The context for Exodus 33 is God revealing himself to Moses. So why does he cite this passage? First, both phrases speak of God's love, not his justice. Second, this does not refer to salvation for Moses. In its original Old Testament context, Exodus 33 is not about Moses going to heaven or hell. It's about Moses seeing the glory of God. Third, God gave these words to Moses in the midst of Jewish people's idolatry. Israel's unfaithfulness with the golden calf did not stop God from bringing about his promise. This further drives home Paul's main point that righteousness of a nation is not the basis of God's election for salvation or for his service. The Gentiles were far less righteous than the Jews, but God was able to show mercy on the Gentiles in the present, just as he had shown mercy to the Jewish people at the golden calf incident. So it's basically just saying, this argument, this line of argument is basically saying that, you know, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of us letting God down in the midst of us doing things that are, you know, opposed to his standards, he still is able to show us mercy. Yeah. And so I understand that. I get that. And I get it, and I'm with it, but I just can't reconcile the, just the whole context of this passage. For me, as
1: I read this, it's not, oh, well, this makes me totally lean this way. For me, I read it and I'm like, this is God saying, I don't care what you think on either left or right side, I'm going to do what I want. And yeah. other scripture says, "We do we do not know the mind of God. Who right. knows the mind of exactly. God? Exactly, the Spirit." Yeah. And it says, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy." This is something that we will never know, right, until we reach perfection. And then I I, I believe we will. All all things will be. Given to us.
0: And I think both sides of this argument are gonna be like, well, we were dumb. Well, we
1: were stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because then I I read stuff like so first Timothy chapter four or chapter two, verse three through four. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, okay, looking at the logic of if we were chosen, okay, predestined, all of us were pre chosen, and those who were not chosen, bummer. If he desired all to be saved, then why were we not all saved? So that leans towards the, oh, well, we chose him. But then it goes back in the circle of, well, if we chose him,
0: <laughs> then it was... Then we did something. We did something. Yeah, we did
1: something and to we, earn it. And it goes back to, no, we we did nothing. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's freely given. And
0: then I have a headache and take a drink and go to bed. Exactly. Like
1: <laughs> and I, I honestly yeah. think that is the Holy Spirit within us saying...
0: Oh my child.
1: <laughs> I love that you're <laughs> grappling with these things, but go to bed. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: That's exactly right. Cuz right right then you just it gave me a headache. Like I uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah.
1: That's that's been Emily night. That's been Emily night when I gearing up for this uh even ver uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Uh, Emily and I just going back and forth playing that I hate the word but devil's advocate. Right. <laughs> and just and that's it. We go in circles. We go in circles upon circles, and we get to the point where, man, our heads hurt. And for me, that just goes to prove that this is so beyond our physical, natural, spiritual limitations that only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit can understand this.
0: And I think it's um, a simplistic way of saying this is actually what Paul says. He says, he continues in, in verse 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You can almost just leave it there. Yeah. And say, you know what? God does what he wants. And and we're going to see here in a couple seconds, you know.
1: Well, let's take that rabbit trail real quick. Okay,
0: let's do that. <clears throat> again, not wanting to go on too many of these,
1: but again, it's our show, so we can we do that. do what we want. <laughs> so looking at Pharaoh. It says, for the scripture says, Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up. This is Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. For this very purpose, God raised Pharaoh, put him in power in Egypt at this time, at this place, for this specific reason. Right. So, did God make Pharaoh to devote him to destruction? I have no idea. Right. Because, okay, following that logic, let's go back to the beginning. God created Lucifer. What happened? Lucifer rebelled. He was cast down to Earth. Why was he cast down to Earth? Of all of the other worlds in the universe, he was put on Earth. And it's like, well, so God created Lucifer to be kicked out of heaven. And for this kind of stuff, it's as Christians, I think it's good to grapple with, but... Definitely for young Christians, it, it, it could be dangerous. Right. Because following that compass of, okay, why did he place him down? And then why did he put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Why did he give him a choice? Why did he give them the choice? Even though, okay, if it was predestined that they were to eat the fruit and sin, like, why would he do that? Those are all questions, again, as as very strong believers, I think it I think it's pretty cool to grapple with. But as as someone who has not been in the faith long, I would encourage you not to. But the answer is going back to this. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It is according to God's will, not ours.
0: And it's it's solely Deo Gloria. Yes. It's for the glory of God alone. It is his sovereign will. What what happens through his so through Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, No, I will not let let, let you go. Okay, I'll let you go. <clears throat> Five minutes later, nah, change my mind. I'm not, I'm gonna come after you yep. again. That was for the glory of God. He says it right well, here. That well, was for the glory of God alone, to show God's power, to part the Red Sea. Right? And in this one too. So looking at
1: different translations, be very careful. If your translation says then Pharaoh hardened his heart, that is incorrect and it is not biblical. It is God hardened his right. heart. It is. God hardened Pharaoh's heart on purpose. No idea why. I will never understand, except it was for God's will and his purpose.
0: So that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Yep. And that's the reason why. You know, (laughs) we would get so mad as kids when when we ask our dads or our moms, why can't I go to Johnny's house and spend the night? Or why can't I go to the movies with Sally? Because I said so. That was not a fun answer. Didn't like it. Did Still, you know, maybe even still don't like it. But sometimes that's the answer that we need. No, and Brad. That I think that's... You can't stay up for the World Series. Hey. You have to go
1: to
0: bed. I'm he, sorry, Mark. No, he he texted me about that today because he listened. Oh, he texted really? me about that day. He goes, I never knew you were holding on to this for so long. <laughs> <laughs> and then he repeated, I should have let you stay up. I'm like, oh, I, man. I know. I know. That's what I said. No, but anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> but this is God's because I said so, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it. his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is too big and too vast and too eternal for us to wrap our minds around. We are not. We don't know why.
1: We don't know why. We don't know why. And other, we won't other know than, this side
0: of... Other than uh, for his glory, to yes. proclaim his name. That's the, only, that's the only reason we're given. And you know what? That has to be enough.
1: It has. That's where faith comes in.
0: Because he is God, we are not. And yeah. that's exactly, that's, that's we where don't, faith... We don't need
1: to know this. We you, don't. You
0: don't. Yeah. This it, is not something that's gonna, again... And it stinks because we want to know.
1: I do, I man, there are these things I'm grappling with. I'm like, man, come on, God, just give me this understanding. Give <laughs> yeah. me this understanding. And looking at theologians, looking at people who have been in this ministry for 50 plus years, and they still don't know. I'm right. like, oh, man, <laughs> it doesn't give me much hope, but it's fine. It's all right. So, <laughs> where are we? Verse oh, 18. Man, I don't even know. Um, Verse 18. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man? To answer back to God, will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So... Uh, for from what I'm reading from this is that God has made people for both one who are who are we to look at God and say, why did you make me this way right that again, that's not for us to know that that is it's for God and and for a lot of people, this is a really hard topic because you might be going through things in your life that you're like, God, why? And again, talking with people i I can't even imagine right. But uh, right here, it's, why have you made me like this? And the answer is, has the potter no right over the clay? And that's it. God will make out of the clay whatever he wants. And to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh was made for, I guess, a dishonorable use. Yeah. Whereas Moses was made for an honorable use. And they both had the same upbringing. I mean, they were both basically princes of Egypt, right?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. One became Pharaoh and one became the foreshadowing of Christ. And again, uh, it this reminds me of Job, of course, mm-hmm. where Job asks God, why are you letting this stuff yeah. happen to me? Is it because of something I did? And God's like, who are you? to? Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I did this? And the... It's, it's kind of what Paul's reminding me of here, yeah. of like, who are you to ask this question? And And again, Paul conceding to the fact that we're not going to understand this. He yeah. is conceding that fact that we're not going to fully understand what this concept and and I think this is a good stopping point for this episode. We're on the recording an hour and 10 minutes in.
1: Yeah, we'll break this up. <laughs> so we'll, we'll probably stop
0: here, but I just want to say I I foresee pushback. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um I foresee a little bit of anger. And and here's here's I want to start by saying I understand why this angers people. Why this topic can get the emotions going because you immediately start to think well, there's no point in evangelizing, and how do I know I'm chosen? How do I know this? How do I know that? And I just want you to stop and take a breath and, first of all, understand that we don't, I'm not married 100% to this whole election idea. Close to that, Mm -hmm. but that's not, I'm married to Scripture, and I want to know what it says. Yes. And as we have said, there are verses for both sides. There are verses that put us in a circle, that give us a headache, and we just don't understand. So before you get angry at us, before you get angry at this topic, before you say, well, these guys are heretical and they're awful, let's turn them off and never listen to them again, take a breath and understand that we are doing what you need to be doing and grappling with this topic and yes. grappling with Scripture <clears throat> and trying to better understand God's letter to us, God's, yeah. God's words to us. Well, again, we want to have this conversation.
1: Yeah. Again, please, yeah, don't get, don't get angry. Don't, don't get so frustrated with this that you, you're done. Come, come to us. Don't send us a message. Uh, if if this is going to be a conversation, we either a call us or b let's meet together and let's actually yeah. have a conversation. And to be able to do that, to to go through what what we're what we're seeing, it says again, probably from our human understanding. Which uh, it, again, every time we start a podcast, we're praying. We're yeah. like, Lord, please give us your understanding, because. We do not want to come at it from our from at it at it from our own understanding. Um, so for me, leaving it with this, the, this might just be my human understanding. But when we're looking at that chosen versus non chosen, you know, well, how do I know I'm chosen? How do I know they're cho- chosen? What's the point? Again, we're, like we're saying it, it, either side you lean on, we have to come to the same conclusion of well, God told us to. Right. Jesus commanded us to go forth and do this. Yeah. The One of the ways I look at it is, I, I, I believe I'm chosen. I, I do. I I've I've been saved. I have seen change. I have seen fruit. I believe the Holy Spirit resides within me. For that, well, how do I know that anyone I'm talking to is saved? Or how do I know I'm chosen and that if I accept Christ, it'll even do anything? For me, it is, well, if you believe... As going with the rest of the scripture, what must we do to be saved? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Once you've done that, you see change and you see fruit, and you're living for Christ. You're chosen. That's it. Exactly. There's no question of well, might I be chosen? It's if you see this. Again, looking at first John, first, second, third John. How can you tell that you're saved? Um, If you see these changes, if you see the fruit, you're saved. That's it. It's not, I might be, it is, no, you are. That's it. Plain and simple. Right. Could I be wrong? I I could. Of course. From what I I have read from my own understanding, that's, that's the way I read it. Yeah.
0: But, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we will dive back in, and we'll probably just start with verse 19 when we get back into this next week, and go through the rest of the chapter, and tackle with the second half of this, and, you know, give us some feedback in person. Yeah. Or... You
1: know, you or even if you leave a message on Facebook, say, hey, I don't really agree, but either if you think our whole presentation was awful, then yeah, let us know <laughs> about that too.
0: Um, I just, I don't want, again, this to be an anger-driven argument or conversation. I want it to be a spirit-led conversation, quote-unquote argument, yeah. right? Where, you, you know, um, because as we've said countless times, and we'll say countless more times, this is not a necessarily a salvation issue. This is a digging in deep to the Word of God and wrestling with something that we're never going to understand fully, this side of heaven. So keep that in mind this week as you're listening to this, or as you finish listening to this, guys, because you know this is kind of the end of it uh, for today. <laughs> but keep that in mind, and and just you know, be open minded, be open to the Spirit, be open to Christ, be open to Scripture. Yes, open
1: minded to Scripture. Yes, not nothing
0: else. Right. not not to the world, not to even us, not to even us.
1: Do the Brian method. Go through, read it, and I, I'd encourage you step out of your comfort zone. I yeah. mean, if you listen to someone, uh, a theologian or a pastor that you're used to, and they they believe the same thing you believe, I mean, that's great. But like for me, a uh, big one is John MacArthur. I struggle with some of the things he he says. So I I go to other things. I yeah. uh, other commentaries. Uh, Alistair Begg, a plethora of others. And I look at all of it, and that's what we have to do. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys for your support, for yes, listening. You. We love you guys. We, we're praying for you. Let us know how we can pray for you if you need any prayers. Uh, keep Again, keep us in your prayers as we continue to do this, and that we stay faithful to Scripture, stay faithful to God's Word, stay faithful to what He wants us to do, what He's called us to do. And we'll come back on Thursday with another topic and and come back next week and continue to go through Romans and just digging into scripture and going deeper and getting more and more rooted in Logos. Oh, man. See how I tied it all together? I like it. I like it. So, guys, we'll see you guys on Thursday. In the meantime, stay Stay rooted. rooted. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like,
1: subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogos.